Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, we thank you so much for your Word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Uh, We thank you... Once again, for the gift of life, for the gift of salvation. And we just pray that you would, that you would just bless this night. I do pray for the gift of teaching and the fresh filling of your spirit, that I'll be able to rightly divide your word of truth. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit will just touch the hearts of the hearers tonight and equip the hearers, equip us, Lord, for the work of the ministry. For those who need comfort, I pray for comfort. For those who need some type of restoration in their lives and relationship, I pray that you'll work on that, Father. And for those who need healing, I pray for healing. For those who have other other prayer requests, Lord, I I pray that you answer them in your timing and according to your will. And I thank you, Lord, that your decisions are always correct. And I also like to lift up uh, the state of Florida, Lord, and what they're going through. Lord, we just pray for your intervention. All power is in your hands, Lord. We've even seen Jesus have authority over the weather, over over the waves. And so I know you, Father, you have authority over these things. And so we pray for your intervention. We pray for mercy. We pray, Lord, that you would use your people who are in that state or any other state to minister to the people in Florida. We also pray, Lord, that you would guide the leadership and how to respond. We also pray that you would even use this situation to draw people to Jesus, that you remove spiritual blinders. Yes, Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are in 2 Samuel. We're in the Old Testament, so that's where we've been. And we are in chapter 19. And the goal is to cover verses 1 through 18. So 2 Samuel chapter 19, verses 1 through 18. And the title of the study is The King is Returning. The King is Returning. So now in chapter 18 of 2 Samuel, Absalom, who was the rebellious son of David, who who usurped his throne, he was defeated and he was killed. And the scriptures tell us who the person was who killed him. And that person was his cousin, uh, David's nephew, Joab. And he killed Absalom against David's order. And that's because King David wanted his commanders to take it easy on Absalom. Yes, he was rebellious. Yes, he usurped the throne. He caused division in the nation, done some bad things, but take it easy on the young fella. And so Joab went against his orders and and he killed him. And after hearing the news of Absalom's death, David went into mourning began to grieve for his son. 
And today, as we look at chapter 19 and 2 Samuel, we're going to find out what happened next in the life of King David. And so we look at verse 1. And in verse 1, it says, And Joab was told, Behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. So the victory that day was turned into mourning for all the people, for all the troops. For the people heard it said that day, the king is grieved for his son. And the people, they stole back into the city, this city, Mahanaim. And, and they stole back into the city as people who are ashamed, as people who are humiliated would steal away when they flee in battle. But the king covered his face. And the king cried out with a loud voice, Oh, my son, Absalom. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. And so what should have been a time of celebration was, was turned into a time of mourning, was turned into a time of grieving and humiliation or being ashamed. You see, although these troops were happy with the results of the battle, for Absalom was defeated, this rebellious son was defeated, and the army that followed him were defeated. They, they were happy with those results, but, but these troops, they couldn't show it because their leader, King David, was not happy, wasn't happy because, of course, his son had died in that battle. And so David's supporters, his troops, his army, they were made to feel bad for winning. And so we can understand how normal it is that a parent will grieve for a child that has died. That, that's normal. But here it appears that David has sunk into a place so low in his grief that it began to affect others in a negative way. It began to affect his troops, his armies, negatively, even though they should have been celebrating. You know, sometimes we, we do need that time to, to grieve. We, we do need that time to grieve the death of a loved one. Or maybe we've heard some terrible news about something in our lives or maybe it's about our health and and it's terrible news and so yes we need that time to grieve but but in our grieving don't forget about the others in our lives who love us and who depend on us see in regard to david yes he was a parent but he was also a king he was also a leader and so there was still a job to do. And there's something for us from these scriptures here in, in the first four verses that will, will help us to keep in mind something important. And what we need to keep in mind is that our mood or outlook can affect others or even set the tone in our environment. If we come home grumpy or if we're in the workplace grumpy and you're a manager, you're a supervisor, then that's going to that's going to spill out onto the coworkers or or those you're managing or those in your household. P- 
people are going to be walking on eggshells around you because you're, you're grumpy. You're always angry about something. You don't even have a dog, but you kick the dog anyway. You, you just, that, that, that move, that outlook could affect others. Heard about some type of tragedy and now you've gone crazy. You don't want to talk to anybody. You're, you're, you've gone past grieving. You're, you've sunk into a new low. And so the question is, when a, a tragedy happens, are you the type of person people would want to be around? When tragedy happens, are, are you the type of person who sees the glass half full? And praise God, I get to serve with the, with the man who's our senior pastor who, who sees it that way. He uses wisdom, but when something crazy happens, he's not ready to jump off the building. Still keeps things in perspective. So when tragedies happen, are you that type of person that people would want to be around? Because yes, we, we know what's happening, but are, are you going to be the encourager? Are you going to help people to look at, if you will, the bright side of things? Or would they want to get away from you as soon as possible? Are, are people going to want to avoid your phone call? But because every time you call them, you, you bring them down. They were having a great day, but after talking to you, they're going to have nightmares or something. And so that's, that's something we need to keep in mind that our mood or outlook on life could affect others. And so in verse 5, Joab came into the house to the king and he said, today you have disgraced, you've shamed all your servants, all of your soldiers who today have saved your life, the lives of your sons and daughters, the lives of your wives and the lives of your concubines. These are those secondary wives. And that you love your enemies and you hate your friends. For you have declared today that you regard neither princes nor servants. Uh, for today, I, I perceive or I I've learned that if Absalom had lived, this rebellious son of yours, I, I see that if he would have lived and all of us had died today, then it would have pleased you well. You would have been happy about that. Now, therefore, arise, go out and speak comfort or encouragement to your servants. For I swear by the Lord, if you do not go out, not one will stay with you this night. And that will be worse for you than all the evil that has befallen you from your youth until now. See, Abraham, uh, not Abraham, but Absalom's rebellion had brought some division and it put David and his men in a situation in which they had to defend themselves against their own people. And so, yes, overall, it was, it was sad that David's son was killed. But on top of that, Absalom's death prevented the death of many more people on both sides of the battle. His death prevented death on, on the side of, of Absalom's, those soldiers that supported him. And it prevented the, the death of David's guys, those who supported him. And so that's the big picture. And in many occurrences of life, in life, in many situations in life, 
We need to learn how to look at that big picture. We, we need to look at things like car accidents. That, that yes, the car was damaged, but our, our lives have been spared. And, and I've been in a few accidents myself. And, and yes, we would have liked those cars to, to stay intact and not be totaled. But, but we were more thankful for our lives. You know, I shared a while back that, you know, we, you know, we were driving. We were taking one of my sons to his basketball game way on the west side of, you know, of town. You know, he played club basketball. And so, you know, we were driving him there and it was his truck to my left and my whole family's in the car. And so whoever was in the truck, they started to get over to their right. And so I slowed down a little bit to see if they needed to get over. And so they must have seen us and, you know, they, they got back in their correct lane. And so I sped up a little bit to go past them. So when I see somebody driving crazy, I try to go past them as soon as possible. So I don't know what's going on. But as I was driving on the side of them, it looked like they tried to run us off the road on purpose. They made a like hard jerk to the right, like they tried to run us off the road. And I remember trying to move out the way and in doing that, and we were on the freeway, the 10 freeway. I mean, that car, our car spent, I mean, literally spent all the way around. It did a 360 um, on the freeway. And then I was waiting the whole time. I was waiting on the impact. I was waiting on that collision. But then when it stopped moving, I noticed that no cars were coming. And this is on the 10 freeway. And so... You know, I, I wasn't happy, you know, because I think I'm thinking I got my whole family in the car and this person is driving like this. So I started to speed up and yeah, Pastor Durrell started chasing after this person for a minute. <laughs> and then I and then I stopped and then I stopped. I slowed down. I said, you know what? He that person did that crazy thing. But big picture, my family's still here. The car wasn't crashed. The family's still here. And when I reflected on it, I began to think, I wonder if the Lord sent his angels to prevent traffic from coming. I just started thinking that. And one day in eternity, the Lord is going to show me that. He's going to show us all those times that something could have happened, but he sent his angels to protect us. But, but we need to start looking at the big picture. And so, yes, the car may be damaged or whatever the case is, but our lives have been spared. Or we could look at the fact that, yes, the world is going crazy, but guess what? We're going to heaven. And, and it's not, and yes, it's for believers, but, but, it, but we're still here. Therefore, there's still an opportunity for, for other people to go to heaven as well. And, and so what you would need to do is repent and put your trust in Jesus for salvation and you would join us in heaven. So, yes, there's craziness, there's killing, there's, there's hate, but, but heaven is much better. That, that's something we can look forward to. And so, so we need to look at the big picture in life. And, and this is something that David could have done, that, yes, my son Absalom was killed. I told them to take it easy on him, but they killed him anyway. But big picture, 
the lives of the people in the kingdom were spared. Further death was avoided. And so we want to keep that big picture perspective as believers. And so in this situation here in verses 5 through 7, we, we see that Joab, who have done some crazy things, some evil things, he actually gave some sensible advice to his uncle, David. And, and Joab, if you're new or visiting or you're new to the study, he's the commander of David's army during this time. But he actually gave some sensible advice to him. And within, within this advice, we see that Joab let David know that, look, if you don't snap out of it, you're going to lose some support. You got people supporting you now, but you're going to lose it if you keep on carrying on this way. And so in verse 8, we see that King David, he snapped, snapped out of it because it says, then the king arose and he sat in the gate. And this is the gate of Mahanaim. And they told all the people saying, there is the king sitting in the gate. So all the people, all these soldiers, they came before the king. For everyone of Israel had fled to his tent. So everyone who supported Absalom, they went back to their tent. But, but the people who supported David, the people who were with him, they noticed that King David was, he was back at it. He's there in the city gate. And that city gate was a place of public meetings. And it was also a place where court cases were held. And so it was the hub of the town for judicial, business, and social interaction. And so David is now sitting here. He stopped this morning. He stopped his grieving. And he's, and he's there at the gate of Mahanaim, this city. He's once again doing his job. He's sitting in this place of authority once again, and he's being there once again for the people. And of course, the people, they were were glad to see this. Oh, the king is back. He's where he's supposed to be. And so it says that they came before the king. And, And I just wonder today, how many people are waiting for us to step up and start being who God called us to be? And to start doing what God has called us to do. There, you see, there were people waiting for King David to get back to his post. But, but how many people are waiting for us to step up to the post, to, to step up to the plate, to start doing our jobs, what, what God has called us to do? You know, and speaking of those who are not being active in the church at this point, just being consumers and and, I, and I've been there at that, at that point, at one point. I've been at that point where I was just a consumer in, in the church. Wasn't contributing. I've, I've rested too long. And we just moved from California, for example, in 2007. And 2008, started attending here, January 2008. And I remember because I saved the bulletin from that day. I still have it in my old Bible, but it it was late January 2008. We started attending here, and I remember this this was half the size. I probably sat somewhere over here towards the back, and I sat down, and I was in my heart. I said, I'm at home. Like, I knew I was at home. That's exactly what I said in my heart. And, And at that time, I started, you know, just resting. I served as youth pastor at my 
old church and, you know, we were doing a lot. We didn't have a team. We have teams now, but it was pretty much me, my wife, and we had a couple of other adults, but, but they, you know, were doing a lot of other things. And so we had a lot of teenagers and, and it was, you know, not, so I was, you know, carrying a lot of the load and, and it was such a blessing, you know, but when I, when I came here, I was, I, w- I was resting. Now I was just getting fat on the word, you know, just enjoying the teaching and then by that time, the church had expanded to this point now, and I was probably sitting on this side by that time, and I'm, and I'm just resting, you know, just enjoying it, getting fat, looking around, seeing everything people were doing, how people were serving, you know, didn't really know too many people, but was as friendly as I could be, you know, because, you know, because here... You know, during meet and greet time, you do have to be friendly. You have to come out of your shell and say hi to people. Let people know that you're new. And so we, we did that as much as possible, but just getting fed off the word. And then I remember the Lord speaking to me, get back to work. And I'm looking around and I'm like, where? <laughs> you know, it was like a machine here. You see all these people serving. You, you, don't, you don't know where. I'm like, where? And, and so anyway, long story short. I remember Pastor Jim, he was up here and, he, and he, gave, he gave us a mild rebuke because nobody was stepping up to serve in the children's ministry. And he came up here, he said, I'm going give to you, give you all a mild rebuke. And he started talking about how nobody was stepping up and, and so forth. And so at that point, I knew, I was like, okay, that's, that's where I'm going to go. So I started serving there. But, but there's many people who, in the, who are in the church or, or just being consumers or resting too long, too long like I did. But, but when you are at that point, I, w- I want you to think about how the body of Christ is missing out because you're not using the spiritual gift that God wants you to use. And so you become like David. People are waiting for you to get back at your post. They're, they're waiting for you to sit at that gate, so to speak, so that they can come before you, so, so, so they can experience the gift that God has allowed you to use on this side of heaven. And so the body of Christ is missing out on, on some of you because you're not using the gift he wants you to use. And so I'm just going to throw that out there and leave it right there because we have to move on. But, but pray about that. In verse 9, it says, Now all the people were in a dispute throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, The king saved us from the hand of our enemies, and he delivered us from the hand of the Philistines, and now he has fled from the land because of Absalom. But Absalom, whom we anointed over us, has died in battle. Now therefore, why do you say nothing about bringing back or restoring the king. So King David sent to Zadok and Abiathar the priest saying, speak to the elders of Judah saying, why are you the last to bring the king back to his house or palace, which of course was in Jerusalem? He says, since the words of all Israel have come to the king to this very house, you, the tribe of Judah, you're my brethren, you're my relatives. Because David was of the tribe of Judah. You are my bone and my flesh. Why then are you the last to bring back the king? See, these other tribes of Israel, they were at least having a discussion to bring David back to Jerusalem to reign as king. He was the rightful king. 
but his own tribe was still hesitating. They were not even having that discussion and that bothered David. And so as you go through life, I just want to share with you, and you may know this already, so it's a reminder for some, but just want to share with you that it is not a guarantee that the people in your family will be the most receptive of you will be the most accepting of you. Oh, you become a Bible-believing Christian now. They're not going to just up and start celebrating you or just receive what you have to share from the Word of God. They're not going to just listen to you because all of a sudden you have some great insight on spiritual matters or you have better insight on it now because you're a Bible-believing Christian with the Holy Spirit who indwells you. Just because they're family, it doesn't mean that it'll be that easy. Just because they're, like David says, you're bone and flesh, doesn't mean that they're just going to open up the door for you. It doesn't mean that they're going to keep inviting you to every dinner or every event. See, but the thing is, this is not, this is not something that Jesus himself had not experienced. Jesus experienced this, so just want to turn to John chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, just to show you that Jesus understands if you've been in that position or are in that position right now where, where your family doesn't receive you as they used to when you were in the world, but because you're a Christian, or they don't want to hear from you, they don't want to be around you, but, but notice that Jesus, he knows how you feel. Because in John chapter 7 and verse 1, it says, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, the southern part of Israel, because the Jews, speaking of the um, ruling authorities, um, they sought to kill him. And so now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers, his siblings, therefore said to him, Depart from here. And go into Judea, that your disciples may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. And in verse 5, notice what it says. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Even his siblings who seen his life, they didn't believe in him. And so if you're going through that, notice that you have a comforter in Christ who knows exactly what you're going through. He can sympathize with you. In verse 13, it says, and say to Amasa. Now, remember, this is still David speaking to Zadok and Abiathar, the priest. He says, and say to Amasa, are you not my bone and my flesh? God do so to me, and more also, if you are not commander of the army before me continually in the place of Joab. And so he swayed, he persuaded the hearts of all the men of Judah, just as the heart of one man, so that they sent this word to the king, return you and all your servants. And so it's very possible that at this point, David found out about Joab's part in the death of Absalom, in the death of his son, in that battle. And, and this could possibly have played a part in Joab's demotion and in that offer of that position of army commander to Amasa. And Amasa, 
is another family member of David, by the way. He's also David's nephew. And Amasa was also over the army that Absalom in the rebellion uh, was using. He, He was that commander. And so David offered Joab's position to Amasa. And so we, we don't know for sure if, if David found out about Joab's part in the, in the death of Absalom. That could possibly be. And many commentators, commentators believe that that's so. Uh, but either way, this act that David did in, in offering this position to Amasa, that act won over the men of Judah. And that men of Judah at that point, they extended the official invitation to David to return to Jerusalem and return as king or reign as king. And so this offer to appoint a Mesa as commander showed that David was not harboring any ill will toward those who had um, went on Absalom's side, those who were a part of the rebellion. This is showing that, hey, I'm not, I don't have any ill will towards you anymore. See, I'm even taking your commander, Amasa, and I'm putting him over my army in place of Joab. You see, David was willing to work with those he once had to fight against. And what's so awesome is about, the, about that is that even today in the church, I want you to realize this. We are actually fighting in the same spiritual battle with people who were once on the other side, just like a Mesa was once on the other side of David. And so there's people in here who used to have non-biblical views. They they, they used to be non-believers. They used to hate Christians. but, But there's people in the body of Christ who have surrendered their lives to Christ. They are now a part of the bride of Christ. And we are now partnering with them in the work of the Lord. We're now working together with them for a common cause. That is to share the gospel with, with this unbelieving world. And so what we're seeing here is people who once fought against each other now coming together. And, and so it's pretty cool that David extended that, that, that olive branch that he reached across. He reached across the aisle and appointing Amasa as his new commander. And then in verse 15, the king returned and he came to the Jordan, speaking of the river. And Judah came to Gilgal to go to meet the king, to escort the king across the Jordan River. And Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, that is from the tribe of Benjamin, who was from Bahurim, he hurried and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. And there were a thousand men of Benjamin with him. And Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his 15 sons and his 20 servants with him, and they went over the Jordan River. Now they're on the western bank of the river before the king. And then it says in verse 18, then a ferry boat or some type of raft or flat bottom boat and went across to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good, what the king thought good. And now Shimei, the son of Gera, he fell down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan. Now, again, he's on the western bank. See, this man Shimei, who cursed David and he threw stones at him. At this point, he, he prostrated himself before David in respect to the king. 
And we'll see in the following verses, and and we're not going to get there tonight, but we'll see in the following verses that he's about to start begging for mercy from King David. See, after this time of rebellion, after this time of heartbreak, and after this time of unrest, David, he began to make his way back to his throne in Jerusalem. And guess what? One of these days... After a time of rebellion, after a time of great tribulation, our greater than David, our king, Jesus Christ, will return. But first of all, Christ will return for his church and what we call the rapture. You see, the, the, the church will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And this will happen before the tribulation period because the the tribulation period is actually a time of wrath. It it is the time that God is pouring out his wrath on the Christ rejecting earth or world. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, you see this in verses 9 and 10. It says, for God did not appoint us, that is believers, to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, in other words, whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we should live together with him. So we're not appointed as the bride of Christ to wrath because Jesus already took the wrath of the father for us. But we he's appointed us to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so so first of all, Jesus will return first in the rapture, but he will not touch down. We're going to meet him in the air. He's going to he's going to rescue us and we'll meet him in the air. We're not going to experience that time of wrath and, and that tribulation period. See, but Jesus, our king, will also return in the second coming. And when he returns in what we call the second coming, every eye will see him. It will not be invisible. Every eye will see him. The scriptures tell us in Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. And just like how David was returning with all of his servants, Jesus will return with all of his servants. That is all of us who are a part of the body of Christ right now. He's going to return with us. But, but here's the difference. You saw that David's servants were escorting him. Well, with Jesus, we're not going to escort him. We're not going to go before him. But the scriptures tell us in Revelation uh, chapter 19, verse 14, it tells us that we will follow him because it says in the armies in heaven, that is us, and, and the angels are going to come to, we're going to be clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and we're going to follow him, it says, on white horses. That is in the second coming at the end of the tribulation period. Well, Pastor Darrell, how do you know that's going to happen after the tribulation period? Now, remember right now, we're not talking about the rapture. We're talking about the second coming where he returns with his saints 
to the earth. But how do I know it's going to happen after the tribulation? Well, Matthew 24, verse 29 and verse 30 says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign then that's time order, then the sign of the son of man will appear in heaven and then all of the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And so, yes, our king, our greater than David, he will also return to his rightful place to on that throne and he will rule and reign. And guess what? When he comes back in that second coming, The Bible says that he's going to step foot on that same mountain, the Mount of Olives, that David went up as he wept and and, and he mourned when he escaped from Absalom, when he escaped from Jerusalem, Jerusalem. So that same mountain that David went up when he escaped, Jesus is going to come back and set foot on that same mountain in the second coming. And the scriptures tell us in Zechariah chapter 14, verse four, that the mountain is going to split and it's going to be something that runs from the east to west. west. And so one part is going to move to the north and the other part to the south. But That's what's going to happen when he comes back. He's going to actually touch down. And so our king is returning just like their king, King David, returned to his spot. But the scriptures tell us as well that Jesus is going to reign for a thousand years on this earth. He's going to reign visibly. It's going to be a literal reign on this earth. And he's going to reign from Jerusalem, which is the same spot that King David is returning to in our lesson tonight. How do you know, Pastor Durrell, that he's going to reign from Jerusalem? Well, Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 says that now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and that he shall be exalted above the hills and all the nations shall, shall flow into it. So all the nations. And then in verse 3, it says, many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from where? From Jerusalem. So Jesus is going to reign visibly and literally on this earth in the second coming, in the second coming and, and his headquarters will be in Jerusalem, guess what? That same place, once again, that David is returning to as king. But, but here's the question for the day. The question for the day is, are you looking forward to the king returning? Are you looking forward to the return of our king? Or are you indifferent? And, and maybe you're debating like these Israelites were. They were debating on whether or not that to bring back the king. Are you debating within your heart if that would be a good thing if Jesus were to come back? If Jesus were to return? Well, well, well Pastor Durrell, why would some Somebody be debating on if it's a good idea or if it's an exciting thing if Jesus were to return right now. And of course, the next thing on the prophetic calendar is the rapture. But, but why, would it, why would some people be like, well, well, I don't want to return to return right now. Well, maybe it's because some people haven't been living Christ-like lately. 
Maybe some people have been cursing a little bit too much lately. Or maybe somebody been, been doing some things lately. Sex outside of marriage or whatever the case is. Where they, maybe they will feel a little bit ashamed if, if he were to come back. If he were to return or, or maybe you feel like, well, I haven't accomplished what I wanted to accomplish yet. I, I didn't earn that degree yet. I didn't make that, um, that, that amount of money that I, that I want to make yet. And so I'm, I'm not ready for him to come back. So, so just like these Israelites were debating on whether or not to allow David to return. So maybe there's some people debating like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool in the Bible. Jesus is coming back. It'll be great to see. But, but Lord, not now because I want to do some things. Or, or maybe there's some people who are just too caught up in the worldly politics or, or other things to the point where they don't even realize that things will be much better under the rightful king see but but on a more personal level i I just wonder tonight how many have allowed an absalom to sit on the throne of your life instead of the rightful king sitting on the throne of your life you see that absalom will be another king maybe Lately, it's been your flesh. Maybe that's your Absalom, that rebellious king that's sitting on the throne of your life right now. Maybe it's that hobby that is serving as an Absalom. Maybe that's sitting on the throne of your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's sports, and I, and I love sports. I like football and basketball, but... I can't allow it to be my little G God, but maybe some people allow the, that, that sports team or that, or that athlete to sit on the throne of their lives. Maybe that's their Absalom, or maybe for some people it's their children or their spouse or some type of ideology or political party. Maybe that's their Absalom. It, it is sitting on the throne of their lives. And I'm, and I'm asking you this on a personal level because we're talking about kings and and the king returning the rightful king returning but 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 this is what i want to say as i put it out there for us to evaluate which king have we allowed to sit on the throne of our lives lately i want to share with you that just like how david was invited to return to his throne notice that he was invited to return to his throne. Invited by the men of Judah. Hey, come back. Come on. Absalom's dead. Yeah, we understand what you're saying. We're your bone and flesh. Come on, David. Come back. Come, come back to, to your throne in Jerusalem. And, and so I want to point that out. That they invited him to do that. Because for, for those of you who have allowed an Absalom to sit on the throne of your life right now. I'm asking you to to take this moment to invite Jesus to to return to the throne of your life. And so this is what I call or what we call recommitting your life to Jesus. And and of course, the the theme of our study in the book of Samuel is, is reaching our full potential in Christ. But we can't reach our full potential in Christ if an Absalom or another king, if you will, is sitting on the throne of our lives instead of the rightful king. And so I implore you to invite Jesus to return. Invite him 
to return to the throne of your life. And for anybody who has not received Jesus as personal Savior and Lord as the worship team comes up, I would encourage you to repent. That's a word a lot of people don't like to say or hear, but if you read the gospel according to Mark, that's what Jesus preached. Repent. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. The kingdom of God is available to you and, and, and you can receive or become a part of the kingdom of God. But once again, repenting, that is, that is turning from your sin and then putting your faith in the rightful king, Jesus Christ. And so I leave that with you if there's somebody maybe watching or who hear this later or maybe somebody in the room. I'll leave that there and we'll go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of the fact that that Jesus is returning. First of all, in the rapture, to receive the church, we'll meet him in the air. But second of all, Father, we thank you that Jesus is returning with the saints to the earth to reign for a thousand years. I thank you for that, Lord. And Lord God, maybe there's somebody who needs to ask Jesus to return personally to the throne of their hearts, of their lives right now. And so I pray, Lord, that, that you would draw them to that place of recommitment. That you draw them to that place of inviting the Lord to, to take his rightful place once again, Lord. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in the room that, that you would equip them in a mighty way that you would use them in a mighty way throughout the remainder of this week. May you bless them, Lord. Provide for them. Give them strength. For anyone, Lord, who has been focused too much lately on the things of this world or, or maybe even the problems Lord, stir their hearts to look at the big picture. Lord, as believers, we're going to heaven. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit Calvary Queen Creek dot org.